0: Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we take our final look at this weekend's divisional round game against the New Orleans Saints. Jake Arians joins in to share some insight, and we close the week out with our predictions for what is going to happen against the Saints. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks Podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we are doing over at Bucksnation.com. Follow along on Twitter at Locked on bucks, at JRCO underscore bucks, at d Harrison82, and at Bucks underscore nation coming up in segment two we will have jake arians joining us to help preview this weekend's game but first david we have a couple of things that we need to knock out but to our listeners our loyal listeners new and old for you new listeners welcome in hope you're enjoying buccaneers playoff football hope you're enjoying us talk about buccaneers playoff football if you have not listened to yesterday's crossover thursday episode with david and locked on saints host ross jackson make sure you go back and do that you can do that right now and then come back and finish up this episode with us or you can finish this episode now and then go back and listen to david or ross but either way make sure you check out the crossover thursday episode david what is on deck for us to start things off
2: uh, injury reports, because those are things that are important.
0: They are, kind of.
2: Thursday, injury reports dropping from both the Buccaneers and the Saints. Uh, and a few changes. Andrew Adams, the safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, did not participate in practice on Thursday. However, it's listed as not injury-related, so all things probably look good there. Uh, Alex Kappa's status is the same. He's not going to be playing this weekend, guys. Um, Carlton Davis still limited participant as is Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Ronald Jones was a limited participant and that's an upgrade from DNPing D, uh, not participating at all on Wednesday. Um, Jeremiah Ledbetter still not a participant. So you probably don't expect him to come back. Um, LaShawn McCoy still a full participant than JPP with that same knee injury. That's been afflicting him, uh, for a while is still not participating in practice, but I don't think that's going to hinder him from playing on Sunday night for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, pretty much the same thing. Teron Arms said, Jared Cook, Trey Hendrickson limited on Wednesday, limited again on Thursday. Taysom Hill, Latavius Murray, Patrick Robinson, DMPs, so they did not participate on Wednesday and they did not participate on Thursday. Obviously, the, the big one to look for is Fridays um, where you get not only their final disposition for practice but also their official quote-unquote game status uh, for the weekend and now when when Jake gets on here on the episode, we're going to dive a little bit into into more what injury reports can mean and not mean, especially in the playoffs, because I think that uh, if you pay attention closely in the playoffs, injury reports definitely don't carry near as much weight as they do during the regular season. But even in the regular season, I mean, if you've been listening to the show or just paying attention to the injury reports, JPP, I don't know if that man has practiced more than three days in the last you know, month of month, month and a half of practices. So, uh, you know, just because a guy is not participating does not necessarily mean he will not play.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know we're we're a little bit more familiar with that just because we have seen Jason Pierre-Paul in this injury report. We don't know kind of the pattern or the the norm for these Saints injury reports. We don't get those every single week. You know, we could we could seek them out, but you know they're not they're not sent to us. Um, so we don't know kind of if Taysom Hill is one of these in danger of missing the game or if Latavius Murray is in danger of missing the game, Patrick Robinson, same thing. Yeah. You, you see Teron Armstead and and Trey Hendrickson and you see that they're limited. Um, I know Bucks fans are kind of hoping that they don't play, you know, that would obviously help if you have, you know, one of the best pass rushers and the best offensive lineman of the team that you're facing, not able to go, that's going to help your team. But the limited participation that did not participate. We can't read too much into it right now, strictly because we don't know, you know, with all the factors going on, we don't know how the saints normally are week to week for their injury reports. It's the playoffs. So you got guys, On their roster, the same as you do on the Buccaneers, guys like Mike Evans, who, unless his leg gets amputated between now and then, he's going to be out there. Uh, Same with Jason Pierre-Paul. But then again, with JPP, you could cut it off at the knee, and he'd probably find a way to still at least get pressure on Drew Brees.
2: Yeah, Um, and honestly, I mean, I think that if you're going to take anything from anything going on, the Saints made a bunch of roster moves recently, and they didn't bring any extra running backs in. Um, or any extra offensive linemen, and so I think you're probably gonna, you know, take more from that type of stuff than you are from anything else,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, don't want to eat up too much time here in this early segment, David, because we have a lot coming up with Jake Arians here in just a minute. But before we get to that, of course, we have to give a shout out to some of our absolute favorite friends of the show. Just got a package from them the other day. And boy was it delicious. That's right. I'm talking about the new and improved built bar being even more delicious than before. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six new ones: caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and the apple almond crisp, as well as the 12 original flavors. David, I had the the carrot cake with walnut bar. It. Ooh, it might be my favorite. It's in the running for sure. I'm going to have to have another one, but that's, that's close. Carrot cake with walnuts might overtake uh, peanut butter brownie as, as my favorite built bar. Built bars are healthy. They are great for the health conscious person. You can lose, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They are great for anyone on or giving the keto diet a try. And as much as I love the uh, the carrot cake with walnut bar that just dropped, I'm also a big fan of the cookies and cream. That's my son's go-to on his way to the hockey games. He's like, Dad, don't forget to pack me the cookies and cream built bar. Boom. I got you, kids. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net. Carbs go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, and you will receive 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Jake Arians of the Draft Network and the Arians Family Foundation coming up in segment two here on the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: Closing got the week here at the Locked on Bucks podcast back for segment two. We're about midway through our new fresh start 2021. And, of course, if you're looking for more wins and more success in 2021, we've got just the show for you. Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports are going to help you get your betting right in this new year. They're picking college basketball, football, NBA locks all winter long. So subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get podcasts. All right, guys. And as we mentioned, we're now joined here on the Lockdown Bucks podcast by the president of the Arians Family Foundation at Arians FF on Twitter, TDN Fantasy co-host and host of TDN Against the Spread, Jake Arians. Jake, how you doing?
1: Fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you guys?
2: No, we're doing great, and of course, I mean, we appreciate your time here to talk Buccaneers playoff football, something that is, is kind of new ter- ter- territory to a lot of us, and obviously uh, you and, and the Arians family and Bruce Arians are uh, new to the franchise, so a welcome change, a breath of fresh air, I guess you could say, in the history of the Buccaneers franchise. Uh, but Jake, let's dive right into things and talk about, uh, not the Bucks, actually, as, as it would be. Um, big NFL news dropping on Thursday that former Ohio State and Florida head coach Urban Meyer uh, is apparently going to be the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I don't know, I can't be the only one out here thinking about it. Trevor Lawrence has been the number one pick, right? It's like Trevor Lawrence or nothing type of thing for, for so long since before the season even began. Is it possible that Urban Meyer drafts Justin Fields number one overall to the Jacksonville idiot. Jaguars? <laughs> I, love I mean, <laughs> uh,
1: look, I don't know that Justin Fields is a top 10 10- prospect quarterback quarterbacks get drafted a you know, way drafted every year there's no doubt about that right Justin I'm not the biggest fan I don't like his throw motion there's a lot about it that there's a to me it's pretty raw it's more like Trey Lance he's a first rounder quarterbacks are going to get taken people are going to move up and do that if he takes Tr- Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence fire his ass from day one because you're paying him 12 <laughs> million dollars not to make decisions like that I mean that's the the amount of money they're giving him is asinine for a guy that's never coached in the NFL, who has health problems, he wins. I don't know that he's not going to win there. They got cap space, they got draft capital. To me, it's one of the best jobs out there. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a legend in the area. You know, the Florida Gator and Jacksonville's a Florida town. But um, we'll see how he does. I mean, I don't, I don't hate to hire. If he does that, I hate it immediately. I don't. Right. I don't think. Those two guys are not in the same hemisphere as far as quarterback prospects, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, so everybody, everybody that listens to our show regularly, and of course, James knows I'm a big Ohio State Buckeyes fan. I was raised uh, to be one by my father. And I agree with you on your assessment of uh, Justin Fields as a quarterback, as an NFL prospect. And of course, if Urban Meyer, uh, you know, drafts him with the number one overall pick, we obviously know it's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, that's a fireable offense in my book as well.
1: I mean, that would, that would suck to get fired for like before you even get started. I mean, but that's the world we live in, right? I mean, I love Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager's take on you – know, he was getting heat in a press conference about taking a quarterback in round one. And yep. he's like, yeah, it'll get, your, it'll get you guys off my ass for a little bit, and as soon as it doesn't work, I'll be the first one you want to run out of the building. Absolutely. We get, they all understand how important a quarterback position is. It's still very hit or miss, but when you're talking about those two guys – they're not literally they're, they're not in the same realm and I don't know that Justin Fields is even going to be second or third off the board quarterback wise when it comes to this I love Mac, Mac, uh, Mac Wilson I love Mac Jones from Alabama. he's not going to be one of those guys. I love the kid out at uh, BYU Wilson um, and you know I, by, you put them all together this this is going to be the craziest offseason ever too when you're talking about uh, quarterback prospects, all the prospects. everything's gonna be virtual they haven't really announced everything for the combine yet from what I'm hearing. It's probably going to be more virtual stuff. You're not going to get to see these guys on the same field. Right. To me, that's where you. That's where quarterbacks get separated. You can watch a ton of college tape. You to, to me, you can't really get that much from college tape anymore because they're only reading half the field. You're, you're putting your guys in space. I want to see the top five or six guys throwing in the same field at the same time at the combine. That's where guys separate mm-hmm. to me. You see really who can spin it when you're talking about quarterbacks. The ultimate compliment is who can spin it. Aaron Rodgers, it comes out of Aaron Rodgers' hand differently than just about everybody else. Dan Marino, there's guys that could spin it. I want to see who, who comes out, who throws naturally, who throws accurately, who throws with the most confidence. You can't see that on film. You can see that when you put all those guys together. Uh, and when you're talking about taking quarterbacks in the first round, there's a lot of people getting fired, but it doesn't work out.
0: Well, as, as somebody born, raised and still living in the great state of Ohio and president of the official Ohio State Buckeye Hater Club, uh, I'm going to move this away to the only bucks that actually matter, and that would be the ones in Tampa Bay. Jake, everyone's talking about the Saints being 2 and0 against the Buccaneers this season, talking about, you know, the most recent game, the week nine primetime 38 to3 loss. Um, to you, what is the biggest difference? between the week nine Buccaneers and the ones taking the field
1: in the divisional round this Sunday night. A lot more experience under Tom Brady's belt in this offense. Um, it's been a work in progress. I mean, I don't think you can go back through had not having the offseason and really put enough emphasis on what it was to try to figure out. I mean, you put a game plan together week to week and it changes. You're never really mastering anything that you could have gotten done in May, June, July, early training camp and a normal off season that you're now trying to figure out as you're going along now the other thing is people keep forgetting a week 13 by is, is damn near death sentence right for us I think it, it could end up being a very good thing but when you think about but when I was playing and you guys hear this all the time nobody's healthy by week 10 right, right. well if you think you're 85 percent but you're really about 70 75 percent that that little bit of mental and physical, is the difference in losing to the Chiefs and the Rams by three and limping into that bye week. And everybody's like, oh, okay, it's the bye week, so you do a ton of self-scout. Well, they self-scout every week, but getting away from it for three or four days, mentally, coaches go, okay, everybody gets to recharge those batteries, and then you come out with, okay, we have four winnable games. Let's get hot and let's roll. They've not only gotten hot and rolled, it seems to clicked at that point because I think they were all 15% more drained than they realized, and you get that energy boost back, and then you get more experience. Look, week one, there was guys all over the place that were open. But it was Tom's first game in the offense. The defense played really, really good. Now, the defense has been up and down since. And then the second one, the wheels – I mean, the wheels never weren't ever on. I mean, it's not like the wheels felt it came off. The wheels were never on the bus at that point. It's, you got to give the Saints credit for phenomenal game plan, phenomenal execution, and the Bucks laid a massive egg. You kind of throw that one out, though. There's not really a lot you can take from it if you think – if you put these teams and they play each other 10 times, that's the one outlier. I don't think you can take a lot from that week nine matchup. It was prime time. It was ugly. It was over before it got started. And I really don't know what you take from it. To me, there's more to take from week one, except for the fact that this offense doesn't look anything close to what it did in week one. Fournette wasn't playing. AB wasn't there. Um, Tom, I don't know how Tom could look any better than he has the last five weeks. This is a different team than it was in week nine. Now, They're still the big brother. This is the Browns going in and whooping the Steelers. You gotta beat your big brother. You gotta hit him in the mouth. And eventually they go, oh, little brother grew up. This is the chance to do that. Now they gotta step up and they gotta do it. But they're a very different team than they were in week nine. I don't know how much you can really compare or take away from those games earlier in the season. You're talking about maybe maybe more than any team in the NFL. The growth week to week, especially the last five or six weeks coming out of that bye week, has just been more than really any team in the league, in my opinion
2: yeah absolutely jake i mean you look at all the things that this team has gone through and they're still third in the nfl in scoring as a team and the eighth best team in in points against uh, as well at the end of the 2020 regular season and i mean i think like you said the last quarter of the season maybe quarter plus a little bit kind of speaks to to just how much they've done Uh, of course coming into this divisional matchup with the injury reports coming out obviously we have two more to look forward to but you know jpp hasn't been practicing dealing with that same injury he's been playing through the entire time rojo's finally back uh, for the Saints, Tron, Tron Armstead uh, is, is limited. Trey Hendrickson's limited. Taysom Hill and Latavius Murray, who make up 1,100 yards of rushing offense for the Saints this year, have been DMPs so far through Wednesday. Patrick Robinson's been held out. But it's the playoffs, right? So – Injury reports, you know, there's always got to be a grain of salt. I mean, I I remember a couple of years ago, Tom Brady was on the Patriots injury report every single game, but he played all 16 games. So what do you what would you say to a fan that's looking at these injury reports trying to say, oh, man, maybe Taysom's not going to go. Maybe Trey Hendricks is not going to go. How what how should they be reading injury reports this time of year?
1: I mean, if you look at it, the designations is about the only way if if there's a doubtful. okay. if there's questionable, that means they're probably going to play. Uh, if, if it's doubtful on Friday and they haven't practiced all week, there's a good chance. Now, if they miss last week's game and that's still the case and like Hendrickson, uh, yeah. but he's been limited. So, I, I mean, if you're, at this point you're talking about the playoffs, you're talking about the frigging saints who went 12 and five, who won their first playoff game big, mm. uh, who gives a damn,
2: <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, yep.
1: I mean, if, if fans get caught up in some ridiculous stuff, sometimes this is one of them. Uh, I mean, look, would I like, Tra- would I like Hendrickson to be out? Yeah. Do I give a damn? No, we got to beat them regardless who's out there. The defensive line still damn good with him or without, him. Uh, you know, Armstead's been really, really good left tackle for them, but we got to go out and whoop whoever that is. Shaq and JPP got to show up this week. This is, this is big boy football. This is your chance. You're talking about a, a place that the Bucks have only been one time before. This is a big deal. I don't really give a damn who's out there for the saints. This is, I mean, this is uh, the opportunity for this team, for this fan base, for this franchise you couldn't ask for anything more than to be in this situation. So to me, I don't give a damn who's on the injury report.
0: Yeah, Jake, it seems like a lot of teams, especially given the fact that he played so often due to Drew Brees' injury, but a lot of teams have kind of started to figure out Taysom Hill. But the Bucks tend to have struggled when Taysom Hill is on the field, and I, I think we'd all be in agreement that he, he – would likely be the ultimate X factor in this game, at least in terms of what the new Orleans saints are going to be able to do offensively in in your opinion. What is the best way for the Buccaneers defense to essentially make him just a non-factor? I mean, is this something as as simple as reliving the old Derek Brooks against Michael Vick days where you look at Devin White and you say, look, if number seven is on the field, he's your man. You follow him all over the field no matter where he goes and you stick to him like, you know, stink on crap. Or is there another way that the Bucs can really try to contain him without isolating one specific defender to shadow him no matter where he might go?
1: I mean, I think you're putting a little too much stock in that Week 9 matchup. I haven't seen Taysom Hill do that in a limited role when he's not the starting quarterback to anybody else. I think that's another one of those things that night that's being a little bit overblown uh, where the wheels fell off that night. If he's in the game at quarterback – and it's probably a running situation, then yeah, Devin White, this year guy. I'm not worried about Taysom Hill beating our defense, throwing the ball. But even then, if they're going to run some razzle-dazzle, I think that's a perfect opportunity to, to blitz Devin, who I think is going to blitz a lot this week. I think we're going to be really aggressive on defense. There's not really a whole lot to lose here. Um, sitting back and getting picked apart by Drew Brees doesn't sound like a hell of a lot of fun for anybody. So I can imagine Todd being pretty, pretty damn aggressive with what he's trying to do. And Devin coming back, missing a playoff game, last week with the COVID stuff, I think he's going to be running around like his hair is on fire. I'm not that worried about Taysom. I'm a hell of a lot more worried about Alvin Kamara than I am Taysom.
2: Guys, we're going to get to our final segment, which includes all of our predictions and stuff for the game coming up this weekend. And we're going to do that. Thanks to our friends over at bet online. The NFL playoffs are up to full speed. The drama has, has been been churning since the first game and it's only going to get more dramatic from here on out and whether the Buccaneers beat the saints or not your playoff action doesn't have to stop, even if the Buccaneers season comes to an end this weekend. And the only place that James and I would ask you to go, the only place we would trust with your betting action, of course, is betonline.ag, the official betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Segment three of the Locked on Bucks podcast coming up.
0: If you're looking for the best bets heading into Sunday's NFL action, then you need to listen to Locked on NFL every Friday as your boy Q and Bo Brock are joined by a betting expert and analyst From the Action Network, get your full weekend preview and Sunday six-pack of winning bets every Friday on Locked on NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcast.
2: Leading up to the game, we're all talking about a lot of veterans. And I mean, even Michael Thomas is not, you know, as, as age of a veteran as, as a lot of players are, but he's still one of them. Um, but the Buccaneers have a good set of rookies that are on the field on a very regular basis and Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tristan Wirfs. And uh, is, is there a possibility in your mind, like, what do you think is going, or well, actually, what do you know is going through the heads of a first year NFL player going into a divisional matchup? And not only is it a divisional matchup, but it's the division rival that you've already lost two times. So, like, this is a unique situation. Like, no big time college football game, I don't think necessarily can kind of live up. Like, you don't play Ohio State and Alabama twice a year, three times a year, even. What do you think is going through their head and and, and what they're thinking as they're going through their preparation for this weekend?
1: Well, first of all, they stopped being rookies around Thanksgiving, which was six weeks ago. <laughs> They've started since week one. They're, they're veterans in my book at this point. Uh, but I think to a positive, maybe never being here before. I mean, other than the guys that play at Alabama, When you're playing an SEC championship, a semifinal, and a final every year, have you been on this kind of stage? You're talking about the divisional round of the playoffs. I think these guys, it's just another game. Your rookie year is so damn long and so hard as it is. I think these two, uh, in particular, their personality, and I played with Antoine Winfield uh, Sr., Antoine's dad. He's just a professional. He's going to go to work every single day. He's going to study the playbook. He's going to go to practice. He's going to get ready. That's what he's been doing all year. The fact that they are rookies and this was their first year in the league, I think is a benefit to them because they've been doing it. It's just another game, right? Uh, Tristan Works has played great against the Saints twice. He's played great against everybody. Yeah, he's played great against he, – he's handled Cameron Jordan as a rookie. He's not going in there scared. He's seen everybody the league can throw at him at this point, and he's handled all of them. To me, they're healthy. That's the big thing. Uh, they're just going to put their head down and their nose to the grindstone, go to work like they've been doing all year. I don't know that they're going to grasp the gravity of it. Uh, probably maybe for years to come. I think this team's going to be back in the playoffs again next year. The, the guys that, the, the Levante Davids of the world realize how big this is, right? They've spent their entire careers being Pro Bowl type players, mm-hmm. and this is now their second playoff game. Those guys, they, they, they grasp the gravity of it more than these young guys. I think that's a benefit, though. I think these young guys just, that's what they've been doing all year. It's just another game. They're following the lead of guys like Tom Brady and Levante David, JPP, and they're just going to keep going to work.
2: Yeah. I mean, since you kind of bring it up a little bit, Jake, I mean, we haven't talked to you since all like the Pro Bowl announcements and the all pro teams have all come out and stuff. And I saw some of your Twitter activity as those things were kind of come out and going on. But I mean, just on the show here, and for our listeners that maybe aren't on Twitter, some of them aren't, what, what are your thoughts about all the, all the snubs that are being perceived across this Buccaneers roster from, from Pro Bowl selections to all pro selections?
1: I think it's asinine. It's absolutely, some of it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Devin White and Levante David. I like Fred Warner. There's a lot of really good players that got, you know, got get the accolades over them. And it's not all statistics, but when you put the tape on and you see guys making plays like that every week, I mean, Devin white has what? Nine sacks, 10 sacks, whatever it is from the middle linebacker position. That's the most in the league by like seven, seven sacks. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I knew Tom Brady moved the needle and I knew there was Tom Brady hatred. So I knew that we would be more popular and more, uh, polarizing than ever before.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: I think that that's part of the negative of the Tom Brady hatred is, um, nobody getting the credit that they deserve, even though, and, and I think the other part of this is we finally had a chance in prime time to really let some of these guys shine and the team didn't play that good in prime time early in the season. So they right. didn't get to take advantage of a couple of those Sunday night, Monday night games. Uh, but the, look, the pro bowl is a joke. Mm-hmm. It always has been. Now, the fact that they're not going to play it this year means all those extra guys that would be pro bowlers, I'm putting my hands in air quotes right now, um, <laughs> because guys are going to opt out and then another guy gets, and now all of a sudden he's a pro bowler. You're not going to get that this year. So there's going to right. be a lot fewer guys that had the opportunities to do it. Uh, th- I mean, look, Ali Marpet, give me a break. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're talking about a pro bowler, all pro. Tristan Wirf has been spectacular. Donovan Smith, as much crap as he takes from Bucks fans. For the majority of the year, has played his absolute ass off. Right, Jensen, Caput, the whole entire offensive line has been spectacular. Tom Brady has been unbelievable, especially the last five weeks. And he's not even close. I mean, look, I'm all for you know flashy plays, but you can't tell me that Kyler Murray had a better year than Tom Brady.
2: <laughs> I won't tell you that. So yeah, definitely not.
1: Yeah, neither will I.
0: All right, well, Jake, before we let you uh, before we let you run, I, I'm curious to know kind of. Which two Buccaneers, we'll we'll say one on each side of the ball, do you feel are going to be the biggest factors in the Bucs' ability to beat the Saints on Sunday? And for the sake of the conversation, we're going to exclude Tom Brady. Obviously, what Brady does on Sunday is going to play a huge part. You know, a big reason the Bucs are in the position they are in is because of how well Brady played this year. But outside of, of that, which two guys do you feel are the keys to victory for this Buccaneers team?
1: Yeah, to me, it's pretty easy, guys. I mean, we've lost those other two games in the trenches. Uh, to me, it's Donovan Smith playing a solid game at left tackle like he did last week, and he's not going to have that kind of matchup. Uh, I think Donovan has to play just like he did last week against the Washington football team, show up big time. And the other side, flip the script, it's time for it's time for Shaq to show up. Uh, Shaq's been really solid. He gets a lot of double teams, moves around, but he hasn't had those those splash plays where he gets there in that sack fumble. Uh, he has to play at an at a all-pro level, play at a level he was playing at last year, uh, and this defense is completely different when he does. So I think if those two guys play big time, everybody else is going to do their job. Just like I said, it's a very different team than it was in week nine. But we need those two guys to show up big time.
0: All right, well, Jake, certainly appreciate some of your time helping us with this divisional round preview. Let us know everything you guys have going on. I know there's the uh, the Buccaneers charity battle and and anything you guys have going on with the Arians Family Foundation.
1: Yeah, so you can still go to uh, Arians.RivalsMedia.com and join us to make your picks there, have a chance to win some really cool prizes. And When fans are back in the stands, hopefully next year, there's going to be a chance to win some sideline passes and tickets to games and that kind of stuff. So join us there. Uh, you can get it, everything, all the information you need on know, AriansFamilyFoundation.com uh, and then everything we got going on Draft Draft Network.
0: All right. Well, Jake, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Really appreciate
1: it. Thanks, guys. Go, Bucks.
0: It's a divisional Friday of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And you know, segment three means we're going to give our predictions. We're going to do our bold prediction. We're going to do our score prediction. But first, we have a voicemail and we wanted to make sure to find time to play it. So let's hear from this Bucks
3: fan. Hey, James. Hey, David. This is Brent in Houston, Texas. Uh I know we're right in the middle of a playoff run and, and, and everything with Brent. And I know this is more of an all season question, but me and my coworker, we were sitting here talking, and I figured, you know, we he's a Bucks fan also. I figured I'd give you guys a call. It's not my first time calling, but I'm a long-time listener. Um, well, with the rumors that Deshaun Watson is upset in Houston. And I know that Brady is, you know, still under contract for next season. And, you know, he is getting over his 43-44 next season. Is it any kind of way that the Buccaneers could be interested in trying to make a deal for Deshaun Watson, who's only 25 years old and had one of his best seasons? that nobody's going to remember because he was on a salary team. He led the league in passing. I think he was third in touchdowns and, you know, his QPR was like second over the uh, the whole season and he's just a phenomenal player and I think if, you know, we could do some kind of trade, you know, uh I don't know what we'd have to give up or what we'd have to do to acquire him but, you know, with him in his offense after Brady leaves, oh, man, that would just be phenomenal and we'll have the quarterback for the next 10-12 years that we need because he's a very very spectacular player I uh, just wanted to hear what you guys think and and uh you know just let y'all guys chew on that for a little bit um man love the show keep up the good work that you guys are doing go books
0: all right thank you very much for the call appreciate hearing from you uh look i love deshaun watson there's no way there i will give it a 00001 percent chance of happening because I don't want to say zero percent. Deshaun Watson next year is going to have a cap hit of about sixteen million dollars. Deshaun Watson's cap hit in 2022, 40 million in 2023, 42 and a half million, 2024, 37 and a half million, 2025, 32 million. That is a huge chunk of your salary cap and the bucks flat out can't afford it unless you want to lose levante chris godwin and Shaq barrett in order to bring in a guy who won't see the field unless tom brady gets hurt
2: yeah i mean i think there's there's a lot of dynamics uh to this whole deal and and you laid out a lot of the financial uh aspects of it which is is definitely a, a incredibly important but then another one is even to bring in like even if you can make the finances work kind of like what we were talking about james Tom Brady would essentially have to tell the franchise, I'm done with you after 2021. Even if I'm not done with football, I'm done with you after 2021. And I don't see Tom Brady. I think that decision, if he retires uh, or stays or moves on, whatever his decision after the 2021-2022 season is going to be made probably after that season, honestly. So you bring Deshaun Watson in, even if you make the finances work, like James said, you're going to hurt your current team, which is just going to piss off your greatest of all time quarterback that's not something you can do. So for a myriad of reasons, I don't think it's a possibility in 2021. So if you really want it to happen, hope beyond hope that the Houston Texans can somehow convince Deshaun to come back for 2021. And then it all falls apart. And Sean says, no, I'm out in 2022, because that's the only way it's going to happen. But James, let's get into so great question. I mean, very, very good. question, And it's actually a topic I've been very interested in myself. So, um, you know, just from a, a, I don't know, masochistic standpoint, I guess. Uh, But, James, let's get into bold predictions, and I'll kick off with my bold prediction. It's pretty simple. Uh, My bold prediction is that Mike Evans and Ronald Jones are going to outstat Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Now, you're talking combined. So, like, total offense, Mike Evans and Rojo will outstat total offense from Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. So, you know, if it's four touchdowns to three touchdowns between the duo, 300 yards to 200 yards, that's a lot of yards. Um, Whatever it is, whatever the combination is, Mike Evans and Rojo will outstat Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. I'm going to take a little bit of a caveat. If Rojo is inactive, only inactive, then I think Leonard Fournette fills that position for my bold. Now, if Rojo plays, but is somehow limited, or they play Leonard Fournette more, i just take the L.
0: Well, your bold prediction goes against my bold prediction, good sir. So we are going to have ourselves. um,
2: Good old fashioned standoff. uh, Yeah, yeah. Zoom style.
0: Look, it is no secret how much I, I adore and respect everything that Mike Evans has been able to do offensively. But as good as he's been against the Atlanta Falcons, like I laid out for those couple of games, uh, that's as bad as he has been against the New Orleans Saints. They have been able to really shut him down more often than not. He's, you know, he's had some good performances because he's a great receiver, but New Orleans game plans, to take Mike Evans out of the equation. You know what? In the words of Shannon Sharp, I ain't no problem. My bold (laughs) prediction is Antonio Brown, who is now in football shape and he is acclimated to the offense. He's become a bigger part of the offense. These are different elements than the Antonio Brown that the New Orleans Saints saw in week nine, so AB is going to be right there to pick up the slack again, ain't no problem because business is about to be booming. Antonio Brown will finish this game as the Bucks' leading receiver. He will go for over 120 yards and two touchdowns.
2: Let's move into score predictions now. My score prediction is going to be 38 to 31. And here's the thing: we kind of talked about with the, on the crossover with Ross Jackson uh, at the time, anyway the The Saints, you know, according to BetOnline.ag, the Saints were favored to win by three points, which is essentially the home field advantage, even though there's no fans and all that stuff. And, you know, traditionally, in betting, the home team gets a three point buffer. You know what I mean? Whatever boost. So, when you see a team with a, with a home team with a three point advantage, it's basically saying that either team is going to win. We're just going to go with the home team for betting odds. So, it, it really is kind of a pickem. You know what I mean? Like, I think this game could go either way. You literally see uh, about ten different results happening in this game. You know. I think it's 38-31 no matter what, no matter who wins. For the sake of, you know, paying myself into a corner so that I can be outed on the next episode potentially or uh, take my own victory lap, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers because I definitely think they are the better all-around team even though they haven't executed that way in the previous two matchups. Um, but I think it's a race to 30, James. I think the first team in this game to hit 30 is going to win this game. And I look at it that it's probably going to be 38-31, to Late in the game you know the, the, the team that's down is going to be in field goal range they're going to have a fourth and eight or so, and they're going to be forced to go for it and that's going to kind of be the rub or it's going to be tied 31 31 and it's going to be and it's going to be a game winning drive type of situation so 38 or 30, yeah 38 31 is my score prediction i'm going bucks, but I mean just like the odds makers, I think this thing can go either way
0: yeah, I do think this is going to be incredibly close. I do think it comes down to It's going to come down to the final possession. Um, It doesn't matter who who has the ball. It will come down to the final possession. Someone's going to have to make a stop or someone's going to have to make a play in order to advance their team to the NFC Championship. My wife had even said that she doesn't know how she, you know, she thinks this game is going to go. She said she thinks the Saints are up at halftime. And then in the second half, Brady does his thing and the Bucks squeak out a win. But she said this is the biggest coin toss in all my years of having to watch Buccaneers games with you. This is the biggest coin toss I've ever I've ever encountered.
2: Oh. Um, Let me ask you this question, James. Yeah, I asked this to Chris Russell before the wildcard game, right? If let's say the Buccaneers are down at halftime. How much of a margin can they be trailing? By? And let's say, you know, best case scenario, they're getting the ball coming into the third quarter. How much of a deficit can you go into halftime with if there is a deficit and feel comfortable that the Buccaneers could come back in that game? 14. 14, really? I 14. was going to go 10. So, yeah, I mean, 14 more, obviously. But, um, okay, but 14, it's still, fair. It's,
0: it's essentially the same thing. It's still two scores.
2: It's two scores. Yes. And I, and I don't think it's out of the question. like if they were down 14, I don't think it's a problem. So if they're down 17, now you're sweating a little bit more. You know what I mean? Cause, uh, cause again, you know, the, the saints are going to go into a mode where they're gonna try to eat the clock, shrink the game, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, lower the amount of opportunities that Tom Brady has. I mean, you can't score more than eight points in a given drive. So if Tom only goes out there with three more opportunities in the second half, there's only so much he can do.
0: Right. Right, so yeah, I do think this one is a nail biter. It's far more entertaining than Week Nine was, and as I said over at uh, Canal Street Chronicles when I answered their five questions, call me a homer. I don't care. I'm not going to pick the Saints. I will never pick the Saints. Sean Payton is the worst. Um, I will take the Bucks thirty to twenty eight.
2: Yeah, and bet online ag again as of Thursday night. That point spread is still three points in favor of the New Orleans Saints, and they've got uh, the Buccaneers over under at twenty seven and a half, and they've got the Saints over under at twenty four and a half. So definitely kind of more of a James Yarko scoring range according to the odds makers than mine. But you know we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean I think the uh, the over under for the total points is about fifty two points.
0: Absolutely. All right, David, we are out of here. So please. Send us your voicemails following the game. If things don't go the way we're hoping, please watch the language. That's all we ask. Because if if you guys are cussing up a storm, we're not going to play it on the air. But if you want to leave family-friendly, joyous, or frustrated reactions, whatever the case may be, you can do so by giving us a call at 813 444 5841. Make sure you're checking out everything David and I are doing over at bucksnation.com. Round the clock playoff coverage about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at Jayarco underscore bucks, at D Harrison 82, and at Bucks underscore nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at
2: Locked on